What is going on, everybody? This is Rich Killen, and this is the Welcome to Hope podcast. We have a very special guest today. Mr. Alan Ketterling is here. How are you doing, Alan? I'm doing well. How are you guys? I'm doing well. Doing well. Thanks for being here. Um, so I've known Alan for, I don't even know how long. I feel like it's been at least a decade. Yeah, at least then. Yeah. Um, and so Alan is one of our therapists here. Um, not only is he a great therapist, uh, but more importantly, he's an even better person. Um, and so I'm excited to have him here and, uh, well, I guess we're going to talk about you a little bit. Yeah, that's very kind. I don't know that I'm, you know. As good as you make it sound like, but... Well, yeah, you are. Well, that's the <laughs> tissues. Um, so, Alan, uh, for the, the good people listening, um, tell everybody a little bit about where you're from originally. Yeah, so um, I, I grew up pretty well in, in Kansas City, Kansas. Um, I, I was born in North Dakota, but I was not there very long. I grew up pretty well in Kansas City and um, spent my childhood there and went to college there before coming to to Arizona um, and uh, went to uh, the university there um, for both my undergrad and graduate degrees and uh, and then moved out to Arizona um, just after I finished my master's program. So most of your childhood was in Kansas, Kansas City? City. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and so what, what was life like for, uh, for young Alan in Kansas city? Uh, young Alan in Kansas city. Um, <laughs> I, I have fond memories of that. I have so much so that I, you know, when I moved to Arizona, I really wanted to move back and didn't want to, to stay here. Um, I thought maybe this would be just a transition point and then I'd be back there. Um, I, I just had built a lot of good relationships and friendships there, um, and and had good experiences, had good connections in um, the field there, and just felt like that was where I was going to, you know, practice and do counseling. Mm-hmm. But uh, didn't work out, you know, that way as often many things don't. So, sure. um, but it but it was a but it was a fun time. I have a lot of friends still there that I lifelong friends that I made, and um, growing up there was really nice. A little more humidity than here in right. Arizona. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> um, okay, and so then you went, you said the university there, would that be the University of Kansas? No, although I love the Jayhawks um, <laughs> basketball team anyways. Uh, so I grew up in, in Kansas City, went to Mid-American Nazarene University for my undergrad uh, undergrad in psychology, and uh, then went on from there at the same university and did my master's in marriage and family therapy at that point. So, and um, did that pretty uh, consecutively from one to the other and didn't really have time off um, mm-hmm. other than getting married in the middle of the two degrees. So, <laughs> yeah. So then after that, uh, you said you moved to Arizona. What, mm-hmm. what brought you to Arizona? Well, I was at a, at, at the end of my master's program and, um, it was it was challenging to find any type of of work in in that area in counseling for whatever reason, um, and could not could not secure a 
a position after my master's program. So uh, my, my wife's family uh, lived and does live here in Phoenix. And so, you know, the most uh, reasonable option then next was to look at Phoenix as a possibility. And, uh, and when I came to, to Phoenix to look for positions, there were a lot of openings. And so um, because of family and because of job, we moved here um, and really have been here pretty well ever since, which was in 2004. Okay. So 18 years? 18 years, yeah. Glad I got that right. Math is hard. Yeah, I know. That's why I do this job. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, so your degree is in marriage and family therapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and your license is marriage and family therapy. Correct. So you, you, I would assume, enjoy working with families. Yes. And I've spent a lot of my, my years doing work with families. In fact, most of it has been in community mental health. Um, since I was in my undergrad, um, I began working at a, at a facility that worked with youth and families. Um, and started that work at that point um, in the early 2000s. And mm-hmm. pretty well any position that I carried after that was working with youth and families, for the most part with some adults mixed in there at times. Yeah. But most of the time it was families. Okay. So what would you say kind of sparked this interest in working with families? Um, it's a good question. I think that... You know, from from early on, even in my own family, I could see the um, relational components affecting one another within a system. And so I could see how something happening to one person in the family really affected many others. And so I could see that dynamic play out. And so it really made me um, attentive to and um, have a desire to working with with families because of that interaction um, with one another and being able to help, you know, a, a whole family rather than maybe just one person, um, as well as, I guess, helping that individual person within that family. So mm-hmm. um, I, I could just see that. And so from that point, and everybody has a family. And so, you know, we, right. we all come from somewhere. So I think that um, being able to affect change and, and, helping families improve kind of their their interactions and communication, different things like that was really just something that I had an interest in from an early on age. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So I would imagine working with families has got to be, well, it's, it's got to have its challenges. Yeah, it absolutely does because you have to be mindful of many different people in the room. Right, and, and multiple dynamics yes. at play. It's not just one person. Yes, um, how, how do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. I mean, oftentimes it is a struggle, uh, to be able to do that depending on, you know, the dynamics and, and, uh, severity of what's going on with the family at that time. But, mm-hmm. um, I think the really big thing that I pay attention to is, is connecting with each person, building that relationship with each person, um, and, and really helping each person feel as though I'm on their side so that there's not um, a feeling of siding with one person or a subsystem of the, of the family than the other, that I'm really there for each of them and I see them and value each one and their perspectives. 
Um, and then I think also it goes into, you know, having skills and strategies to kind of interrupt different things that occur when there are um, things that happen within the room, um, like negativity or blame and just jumping in to some of those things so that we don't get to that place and we go a different direction and look at how these things are affecting each other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so um, it sounds like you really just want to make sure that each member of the family is, is heard. Yeah. Um, and you're not, you know, taking sides or anything like that, but everybody has, has their, their place to say what they feel like they need to say. Yeah. I think that's a big part of it. And then I think then, you know, part of the other, the other piece of this, I guess, is, is helping everybody see how one another is affecting each other. Right. Mm -hmm. And that some of that response is even normal given the circumstance, but maybe not helpful. So, right. Um, there's oftentimes where we respond to things in a way because that is what you would do if that happened, but it's not maybe helpful or it affects the other person in a certain way. And then that creates a response or a pattern from them. And so kind of identifying those patterns really helps interrupt some of that and help see that there's a relational, uh, component to the problem that they're faced with rather than it just being a particular individual. Right. Right. So it's, it's kind of creating this awareness yeah. about uh, just every person's role and how everybody affects each other. And, um, you know, I, I, which is important, I think, because I think a lot of times we don't realize how much we impact other people, mm-hmm. um, even if it's not like directly, even mm-hmm. if I'm not interacting with you, I can still mm-hmm. affect you in certain ways. Yeah. Um, and I think that's even more so true in a family setting because you're you're, you're living together, yeah. you're under the same roof. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that that's great. Um, now, and, and you you also work with uh, the FFT program. Yes. Um, so what for for our, our listeners, what what is the FFT program? Yeah. We'll give a little shout out to them. Yeah, FFT uh, stands for Functional Family Therapy, and it's an evidence-based model that works with uh, at-risk youth and families um, that are experiencing either some kind of legal involvement or um, intense behaviors that are occurring from the youth or things like that that would put them at a higher risk for some sort of out-of-home placement. And so um, for many years, I uh, provided therapy to families in that, uh, in that model. And it's an international model. Um, there are several sites across uh, the United States and other countries as well. Um, and it's really working with the family as a whole. And um, so I, I provided that therapy for a lot of years, then became a supervisor at agencies uh, providing that service. Um, before then becoming a consultant for the company that now I work with uh, agencies that are providing that service around the country. Um, so it's it's really to help reduce those behaviors, keep uh, kids out in the home and out of placements. Right. And it's got to be pretty rewarding, especially dealing with that population and the at-risk youth, to be able to see some changes in the, the family. Yeah, I it is. I, I think that uh, not always, but I think that like anything, there's those challenges. But um, in general, I've seen a lot of success with families and seeing the reduction of um, the behaviors and how 
uh, one another impacts the other within the family and helping them all see that there's a piece that they each have in that and figuring out how that they can do those things differently. And really for FFT, it's a lot of matching to the individuals, matching to the style of connection that people have with each other and uh, finding what works for them that's on an individual basis Mm -hmm. as a person and as a family rather than as just something that's sort of read out of a textbook of this is a good idea. Right. Yeah. So what I'm going to kind of put you on the spot a little bit here. Um, I know you're excited about that. Yeah. Um, What would you say is maybe one common thing you see in some of these families that you work with? One um, one thing that maybe they struggle with, I'm sure there's, there's many mm-hmm. things, but, um, maybe just one that you can kind of point to just real quick. Yeah. I think that, um, oftentimes, you know, like any of us, we get into, we get into patterns of interaction with one another. And so we sort of operate the same way when those things occur. Um, and, and, you know, FFT looks at, some of the you know potential reasons why that might be or bringing that out to families and so you know oftentimes we see you know kids who might be defiant or having certain behaviors or parents that are that are nagging or angry and i think that a lot of times that comes from you know what's occurred in their family or 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 constant uh conflict with issues and so uh, i see a lot of times where there's a lot of hurt that might lead to some of that anger Mm. and then families then get to a place where all we're kind of doing is responding out of anger instead of seeing that hurt or what has occurred behind that and so um, helping families recognize that maybe there's more to it than just an angry response from one another that there's something behind it but but then also then how that is affecting one another so when I respond out of that way what message or emotion is that creating for the other person? And then how are they responding back to that and looking at that? So I would say kind of something that I see is that, that ability that, that anger affects listening to one another, anger affects being able to solve problems mm-hmm. together, mm-hmm. those kinds of things. And oftentimes it's because there's something behind that. Yeah. So helping them realize what, what's really behind the anger, like what they're really saying when they're mm-hmm. speaking out in anger or something mm-hmm. like that. It's not just right. they're angry. Like there's, right. there's more, much more to it. Right. I think we take perceptions from people and we take yeah. messages that occur from one another, um, even in subtle things. And so families oftentimes have a way of communicating with each other, even sometimes without words. Mm-hmm. And so I think that um, all those things play into how somebody might respond to somebody else. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. So switching gears just a little bit now, um, what what are your hobbies? What do you like to do when you're not here working? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I like you know I have I, I inherited a '65 Ford pickup from my grandpa that he bought brand new that was a farm truck and nice. started working on that a little bit and that gets put off to the side 
because of the busyness of life and family, but um, that's one hobby. Um, I guess I should probably also say I enjoy spending time with my family because I do. <laughs> uh, since we're talking about families, um, my wife and I uh, just celebrated our 22nd year of marriage. Awesome. And so, Congratulations. Um, thank you. Yeah. And so that and raising our kids and getting ready for their life transitions as they're young adults and things like that. So that's exciting and um, brings about a lot of emotion, too, about you know, they're not little kids anymore. So, uh, but spending time with them, doing those kinds of things. I enjoy the outdoors and camping and backpacking as well. Um, I, I, I find that fun and that's actually peaceful and relaxing and it gets away from uh, the day-to-day mm-hmm. stuff and electronics and whatever it might be that might be distracting. It really kind of helps you reset. So I love uh, getting to do that. In fact, yeah. I'll be doing that in about a week. So nice. looking forward Very to cool. that. Yeah. So when you go backpacking, how long are you typically gone for? Um, I, you know, I'm not somebody who does really big ones, big backpacking trips. I don't think I could do a cross country one or, <laughs> you know, those kinds of things. Um, but I, I usually go for two or three days um, yeah. with with my son and with a friend and and his son, typically. And we're gone for two or three days. We pack in, you know, our food and everything, and and uh, and just kind of be out there fishing or just relaxing, whatever yeah. we choose to do when we're out there. Uh, it's interesting to notice how long the days are when you aren't doing a bunch of things or have a lot of distractions mm. that, you know, the days actually feel like full days because there's there's so much time there that you have. Yeah. I'm assuming in a good way. In a good way. Yeah, yeah absolutely in a good way because you feel like it's not so rushed and, and hurried. Right. Yeah. Slowing just... it down enjoy mm-hmm. enjoy life kind of yeah. being being more mindful of what's going on yeah yeah that's awesome yep um so then what 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 do you do to cope with the busyness of life the stresses of life all the emotions that come from mm-hmm. your job and family and mm-hmm. all of that kind of stuff what's kind of your your go-to way of just coping with Mm -hmm. all of that? Um, That's a good question. I think, you know, obviously camping and backpacking is something that I think is helpful in that. I think getting away from, you know, our day-to-day stuff, uh, taking taking pauses throughout the day. I talk to clients a lot about, you know, we can take pauses or space to just, you know, breathe and kind of get away from things throughout the day. So I think I try to do that. Uh, many of you know that I leave the office for about an hour every day around lunchtime and uh, pretty committed to that because it, it actually breaks up the day and helps kind of the day for me. So that's one thing that I do. Yeah. Um, the, the other thing, I think spending time with family um, is helpful. Spending time with friends. I enjoy spending time with friends. I'm social too. So everybody that works with me knows that as well. Um, so uh, those things all help. And, um, you know, I think also part of it is my faith and where I lean on uh, for that and spending yeah. time uh, participating in my faith. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that. I, I like that you, you had a really good, clear idea of what those things were. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like sometimes when you ask people, they're like, uh, well, I guess I do this and yeah. that, but, but you were very, you knew exactly what. Yeah. Um, what what you do to cope, and I think that that's important uh, for people to have 
I, I call it a toolbox mm-hmm. of things you can go to that you you know what they are and it's mm-hmm. not this kind of fumbling through trying to figure out what might work for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but but you already know that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's great. Yeah. And it, and I, I kind of feel like if I can't take care of myself, then how am I able to be present and available for others? All right. Um, Absolutely. And so I think that, you know, and, and to have longevity in the field, you know, you have to have those boundaries um, yeah. with with your work, no matter what you're doing. But that really um, helps sustain you in that time. So. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, you're taking on bits and pieces of whatever your clients are going mm-hmm. through and, and also dealing with families and then maybe taking that home to your own family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's, yeah, you definitely need to have those those boundaries mm-hmm. to to be able to separate things a little bit and take care of yourself. Yeah. There's a lot of therapists get burnt out very quickly. Yes. Um, so I'm glad you're doing that. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm glad I am too. Yeah. It's helpful. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. I'm, I'm so glad that you were able to uh, join us today. Um, and it was a pleasure talking to you. Yeah. Same here. We'll, Appreciate it. We'll have to get you on at another point in time. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe talk about some, family stuff okay not your family not my family yeah yeah we're not gonna get that person somebody else's somebody else's family or families in general yeah exactly okay (laughs) (laughs) all right well thanks again for joining us uh it was a pleasure the content in this program is not intended to be a substitute for professional counseling diagnosis or treatment always seek the advice of your mental health professional or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have Never disregard professional advice or delay in seeking counseling because of something you have heard on this podcast. If you or someone you know is in need of counseling in the state of Arizona, feel free to call us at 602-488-6104. If you are in crisis or think you may have an emergency, call 911 immediately. If you are in Maricopa County, Arizona and are in a behavioral health crisis, you can call the crisis hotline at 1-800-631-1314. If you are outside of Maricopa County, please call your local crisis hotline or call 1-800-273-8255. If you are located outside the United States, call your local emergency line immediately.